Hello, everyone. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on the Live Unreal with Glover You podcast, where every week, Jeff Glover and his coaches will dive deep into questions that you are asking. They understand the challenges you are facing on a day-to-day basis and still work every day on the front lines of real estate, with Jeff and his team closing over a thousand homes per year. In today's episode, Jeff is joined on stage by four top producers, Tommy Choi, Rob Foglia, Amanda Pullman, and Michael Kane. They share with us their most creative marketing tactics and lead generation techniques that have gotten them to where they are now. Now, let's hear from Jeff. We're about to talk to a group of four agents who have absolutely kill it in their markets when it comes to taking listings. And these particular individuals are all dynamic in their own unique way, right? When we put a panel together, you may notice it's very rare that I'll have two or three agents talking about the same things. I try to find differences in things that they're doing. And so when we have our prep calls, I dig deep and I ask them tough questions and say, hey, I'm gonna ask you these questions on stage, so be ready. And so they have all mastered something in their business and relating to their business. So please join me in welcoming the following individuals to the stage. Come on out, Tommy Choi, Rob Foglia, Amanda Pullman, and Michael Kime. Come on, guys. Welcome, welcome. So we are going to start. Um, let's go with Michael Kahn, all right? So Michael, you and I have a, a pretty interesting story because we were sitting in an airport. You want to tell it? Well, first of all, like- Michael Kahn, tell us who you are, what, where you're from, your production level, all that, so people who don't know you know that. Okay, um, I'm uh, Michael Kame. I came from a Cleveland. I always Park. call him Kime, by the way. I'm <laughs> Michael surprised Kame you to never- sell your home. We- Michael came to sell your home. I like that. Why in all these years, because we became friends, I always call you Kime. You never correct me. That's, I do, but it's, it's, it's very subtle that I do. Okay. Not that big deal to me. <laughs> Michael came. Yeah. No, seriously, I've been calling him Kime for like 10 years. All right. So you are in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Tell us a little bit about your production, how long you've been in business. So I, I got licensed when I was 20, um, 1997, and I'm 44. Um, I've been, uh, came from a real estate background. Both my parents were both realtors growing up. Mm-hmm. Got licensed early when I was in school and college, John yep. Carroll, and uh, graduated, started selling real estate full time for my family's brokerage. And then I moved to Florida for two years, came back to Cleveland in 2002, and started on my own. Um, from there, I went to, uh, my, I was considered the cold calling cowboy of Cleveland. Yes. Cold similar, calling similar to cowboy you. of Cleveland, <laughs> which is how we connected. Yep. People so we, considered we me that in Detroit. Yeah, we met at conferences, and, and we had similar mindset of, of prospecting every day until you, they list, sell, or die. And, you know, sure What was enough, that? My, our, our model has always been prospect expired listings for sale by owners and um, circle dialing until they list, sell, or die. Until they list, sell, or die. And then Got if it. they die, contact their, cli- their, their family. And when they die, and see you if contact you can help their them. family, see if you can help them through probate. All right. So then I, I moved back to... Uh, Cleveland in 2002 after doing a two-year apprenticeship in Florida with one of the top realtors in the world. Yep. Um, and I started uh, selling on my own, prospecting in the office 7.30 in the morning, role-playing like you've always trained. Yep. And um, I was prospecting from 7.30 till, till noon every day. Yep. And I'd go, I'd do my lead. So hold on a second. Now, today, people call it lead generation. So we're, just so we're talking about the same thing, you're talking about prospecting lead generation, meaning yeah. outbound phone calls. Yes. Yep, outbound phone yes. calls. Okay. And you were calling expireds and for sale by owners nonstop during that time. Yes. And my first 12 months, I, I sold 78 houses. 
my second 12 months, I sold uh, 172. Yep. Added a buyer's agent, and um, we went quickly to 250 to 300, and then yep. last 10 years straight, we've sold over 400 homes, and we, our best year was 540, 560, mm -hmm. two years ago. And that works out to a volume of around, just say an average of the, the high year. was about 115 million. Yep, and then last year was about what? Last year we did about 100 million. 100 million last yeah. year, got it, all right, good. So um, you and I met probably 2006, 2007, right around the time when I first, first hired a coach. Yep. And we were going to real estate conferences together and um, we were sitting at an airport somewhere. Do you remember where we were at, what airport was? Uh, we were coming I think from it was Vegas. Vegas, okay. Yeah. And we were sitting in the Vegas airport waiting to board our planes, and somehow, I think you were, were you interviewed on a panel at that event? Like, is that how yeah. I recognized yes. you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we met, and I said, hey, you know, I introduced myself, you know, Jeff Glover from Detroit, I know you're from Cleveland, our markets are similar, we're both Midwest guys, and, you know, at the time, we were doing maybe 150 to 200 transactions a year, and they were doing over 400, and so, you know, it was instantly, as you hear all the advice from the CEOs, surround yourself with people doing better, surround yourself with people thinking bigger, surround yourself with people doing more. It just made sense to me to get into a relationship with Michael Kime, came, with Michael Kame. <laughs> and so we did, yeah. and we became role play partners, accountability partners, yeah. and then we exchanged ideas back and forth. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience of our first few years together? Yeah, so um, when I met Jeff, I mean, he was, uh, he was just, such a great like salesperson and just really really eager to learn and just you know exchange ideas and after I mean after like two years or three years he passed us and just you doubled your business doubled our business after a few five years probably but um, we talked and I learned so much just from once you doubled our business I was like oh my gosh man I got to learn from you right it's amazing how it <laughs> went because here I was like gotta get to 400, gotta get to 400, yeah. and then a couple years later, I'm calling him, I'm like, dude, what are you still doing hanging out at 400, man? Come yeah. on. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, so, by the way, what did, you, what did you take away from those, like when it shifted from role play and accountability partners? Because, by the way, I hope you heard in that, role play and accountability is what got us to several hundred. It was only until we were at several hundred where we layered in other things. So what were some of those other things that you layered in based on some of our conversations or maybe things that you did in addition to things we talked about? So when I went out and visited your operation, um, my sister Tina and I went, and my wife Holly, um, a couple times, and we, the biggest thing that I took away was, was marketing ideas, marketing tactics, get, getting a brand out there, and then having an ISA team. I always had an inside salesperson for years that was taking on the, all the incoming calls and converting them. But having it, putting a team in a place, an ISA team, was really what catapulted us yeah. to getting a lot more listing appointments yep. and getting to over 500 deals a year. So that was very helpful for me. Yeah. So when you when you made the trip out there a couple times, you made some observations. Obviously, one of them was, man, they take marketing seriously, which obviously we're spending some time talking about today. The second thing you notice is that we were teaching everyone how to make outbound phone calls. What else did you observe, or did you? take away from those experiences in those early years? I think making your team extremely efficient. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was always impressed by how efficient your team is. And I mean, Taylor, your operations manager is unreal. Um, and you know, having, having your, uh, just having like one or one closing coordinator was mm -hmm. like, it was mind boggling to me. Mm -hmm. Doing that many deals, a thousand deals a year or more. Yeah. So I, just making our systems a lot more efficient and, and being a lot more uh, focused on on listing appointments and, and, and then 
generating more listing appointments and then having each agent on your team be a lot more profitable yeah. and a lot more efficient. And that's how, that's one of the, a lot of the things that we took, took back is making our agents more efficient, yep. getting them all to be you know, great prospectors, yep. teaching them to start in the beginning being showing agents and then, then uh, buyer's agents and then listing agents. Yep. Yep. We followed the same platform. Same model. Yep. And we're on track now. We should probably be, um, next year we'll be hopefully over 600 deals. Mm -hmm. And then our goal is to get to 1,000. Yeah. So. All right. Good. Well, I know you're already like the number one Berkshire Hathaway agent in Ohio. That would probably put you number one in the company, I would imagine. Right. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We've been. Uh, I've had the top sales team in, in our brokerage. We've got a thousand agents. There's forty offices all over mm -hmm. the state. So we've yeah. been number one for like 17 years. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, I mean, that's good for credibility too. Yeah. yeah. So when you think about what you're doing right now, obviously this is listing focused event. Um, when you think about where your listings are coming from, your sources of listings. If I'm in the audience today, as you and I have sat in this audience plenty of times around the country at events, you wanna know, where are they getting their darn listings? What are they doing? And then A, and then B, what are you doing to get them from those sources? So where are your listings coming from right now? Like what comes to mind immediately? Like, oh yeah, we're killing it here. So um, I, I've, we've really honed in on our, our past clients in Sphere. And over the last few years, in particular, we're now at about 67% repeat referral business. Yep. Um, but beyond that, the listings that we're taking, not only from that, but prospecting for sell-by owners, more so than expireds, because there's not very many expired listings. Yep. Yep. Going back in time and finding old expired listings, we're getting mm -hmm. listings from prospecting years back, yeah. um, and then circle dialing neighborhoods around houses that we've listed or sold. Okay, so let's dig into a few of those for a second. Because you and I recently had a conversation of around, hey Jeff, you know, I know that you've been talking about how you went from prospecting then to marketing and then now to database, and now we do a, a little bit of the three. Um, what did you change or add to also be more database focused? What did you have to implement or change in your business to go from just prospecting, prospecting, prospecting to now 67% of your business repeat and referral? So like you have events for your people, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a, a huge Christmas party every year, mm -hmm. 4th of July party every year. We invite a lot of clients to that. So, yep. so having events. Client events. Yeah, client, mm -hmm. having, we haven't labeled them as client events. They were more team events and we yep. invite a lot of clients. That was one thing. Another thing was getting, um, going after, uh, having our consistent, like in your face, virtual video or, or some sort of a uh, Facebook marketing tool to get in front of them. Got it, you so know, you can set up- Frank Pleasant's viral marketing. Yep, yep. He, he got me into doing Facebook, or uh, doing yep. uh, video tour, or video um, uh, content yep. for years. I mean, yep. we've been with, using him. Yeah, and that, the company you mentioned is, is Viral Marketing, which we've used them as well. Yeah. And they're usually at our event, but this year couldn't make it. Yeah. Um, and you, 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 I don't know if you've done this yet, but you just triggered a thought in my mind, you know, and hopefully you guys have all done this by now. You can set up a custom audience in Facebook using all of your clients' email addresses, right? So instead of just figuring out, well, I want to market to 35 to 54, you can set up a custom audience with all of your clients' email addresses. Anytime you want something to be in front of your clients, that's your audience, right? Have you done that yet? Um, no, I haven't. Not yet. So I need to learn that from you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so um, talk to me a little bit. One of the things you said is old expires. I think a lot of agents kind of, first of all, 
you know, are shy away from expires to begin with because of the rejection that comes with them. But old expires don't generally have as much rejection as something that came off the market yesterday. Yep. So is it just a matter of calling them and, and, and you know, so walk us through that process. Do you just, hey, you were on the market a year ago, six months ago, how old, do you, how far do you go back? Just so, give us a little bit on that. So on the, at the beginning of the year, every year, we take, um, we look at all the expired listings from the past year, right? And we send them every year, like January or February, right after the turn of, of the year, we'll send them a huge marketing packet to all of the older expires that, that came off the market the previous year that never sold. Yep. Because it's a better year, yep. you know, the market's value. Here's what's going on in the market. Yep. Yes. So we do that every year. We have a, a like your Gazette, we have a marketing magazine yep. that we send to them in a clear envelope so they, they, they see it yep. when they have, and I have a call to action on it. Um, your home sold, it's like the old uh, sale, uh, guaranteed sale program. Yep. Yep. So your home sold, guaranteed or will buy it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the iBuyer program. Yep. Yep. So we've, we've always used that, and that's always been good for us. Um, beyond that, for sale by owners, mm-hmm. well, going back to expires, then we, then we do circle dialing, or uh, I'm sorry, expire dialing in um, Mojo. Yep. And we'll go back, or, or uh, um, Vulcan. Yep. And we'll go back two to three years, and it's so much easier. I mean, the calls are so much easier because they're not hearing from realtors every single yeah, day. that's the thing. Oh, you're the 17th realtor yeah. to call me today. I wish you guys would leave me alone. You don't hear that at all. No, and, and I, we built our business off expired listings. Sure. I mean, that was- Yeah, you still make those calls, but yeah. it's, it's a secondary call or yeah. a great call for someone that maybe does fear rejection. I mean, let's be honest. We don't love rejection, but we know the more rejection we get, the more money we make, but right. if you're, kind of easing into this idea of picking up the phone and calling people, old expires is a great way to start. You know the number one key to winning with old expires is getting them back to where they were at the time when they had their home on the market in terms of their motivation. Yep. So instead of talking about listing their home for sale, nobody wants to talk about listing their home for sale, they want to talk about where they're going and why they're going yep. and what they're going to do when they get there, what they're going to get there. They don't want to talk about the how. That's not motivating and inspiring, right? Yeah. So when you look at your business right now in terms of where you're at this year, what are some things that you guys are doing that you believe is unique to either your business, your company, your market? What are some things that's, that come to mind when, it, when you look at the, the amount of business you're doing? So right now we're, we're, um, we're doing a lot of the uh, marketing tactics that we've always wanted to do that you've always done, which we're starting, uh, we're really pressing billboard, um, radio. Mm-hmm. We've really hit radio and billboard a lot heavier this year than most years. Yep. And then beyond that, we brought on a lot of um, uh, partners in the mortgage business to co-market on Zillow. Yep. So we can make buying a lot more Zillow leads. Sure, more uh, palatable. More, 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 more affordable. Mm-hmm. So that has really been a big shift in our business. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, early on in the business, we didn't spend a ton of money buying leads. No, you did not. And we didn't spend a lot of money putting our billboards everywhere. Yeah. Just you said, let, let's let Jeff go figure this thing out, let him fail and lose a million bucks, and then we'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> so, that, so Zillow leads, uh, having a, our agents a lot more efficient on the calls and having, um, just making sure that, I mean, we have, like, my operations manager is Tina. She's my sister. Yeah. She's um, like a drill sergeant. When they go into their, when our salespeople go into her office, it's like going to the principal's office. I feel like I'm going to the principal's <laughs> office when I meet with my sister. And, you know, having her set a schedule for the agents, getting the office early, prospecting, role playing, cold calling, talk, talking to your sphere, and then having our marketing director take every single agent and, and 
make that agent a powerhouse on social media and all of the social media platforms to make yep. sure that every one of our agents is becoming extremely efficient and more productive and taking the leads that we give them and turning them over or they're not on lead line anymore. Yep. So those are the things that we've done in the last year yep. that have really started to help. Yep. Love that. And our, our, our uh, listing to years ago, we were 80-20. We list, our, our sales were 80% listings, 20% buyer leads. Yep. That was 15 years ago. Now it's really gotten a lot closer to 50-50. It's like 60, 55, 45 now, sure. yeah. but still almost 50-50 yep. with buyer sales. Uh, last question I have for you. Uh, at, a, at a size, a business that size, um, are you still in production and why? Yes. So I've always believed in the model, you know, you don't, you don't work a day in your life if you love what you do. Can you say that again? You don't work a day in your life if you love what you do. Okay. So every day for me, real estate is just a lifestyle. And you know, I'm still selling between, on a bad year, 90 houses, and a good year, 125 houses. Yep. Um, $30 million in production myself. Yep. And I, I think leading by example is important. Yep. And I think it's, um, I enjoy it. So I haven't made the decision to quit yep. and, and stop, although I could. You know, I've, over, the t over time, like you built, sure. like we yeah. just talked about this. Hey, but I still stay in it. I'm still yeah. doing 85 yeah. you, You're still doing it? I still it. kick your butt some years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so you, you've invested in, in your coaching company. I invested in, in rental properties. So in the next 10 years, you know, I'll have a, a really good income from yeah. rentals. And that's the time I might consider stepping back a little bit. And sure. we're starting to uh, move off to Florida. We just, uh, I just reactivated my license in Florida two months ago, mm -hmm. and we have two salespeople down there now. Yep. So maybe the Naples market will be where we retire to. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I love about you investing in real estate is so many real estate agents try to invest in other things that aren't connected to the real estate industry. You should always look to invest in something you know first. Yeah. And that, you know, if you have a passion for, to open a restaurant or something, fine. That, if that's your passion, that's fine. But you, you know the business, right? So if there's anywhere you're gonna put your money, you know, some people say, well, I wanna open a brokerage or I wanna start a team. Invest in real estate first, right? You yep. Use that as your, as your avenue for that extra income. That's yep. much safer, much more predictable. How many houses do you have now? Um, 75 homes and one apartment complex. All right, wow. awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Wow. Thanks, Mike. All right, Amanda, you and I have known each other for a long time. We probably met before this, but where I first remember meeting you was the event we held in Maumee Bay, Ohio. Yes. There was, it was like one of our first Glover U events ever. There was maybe 150 people in the room. Um, it was a very dated hotel, a uh, very dated <laughs> property. I remember that. And here's the best part. Here we are thinking, you know, we're going to get the promo video with drone flying over Lake Erie and the property and the golf course and all of this. And then we look at the lake and it's brown. Right, that part of Lake Erie is brown. So the promo video didn't look that great when we shot the drone over it. Anyways, you took a chance on us and attended that event. And um, tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been doing it, and also you know, things that you've implemented since then, and, and, and essentially yeah. you know, what you're focused on now. Yes, so yes, uh, I've brought half of my team, the ladies on my team are all here. We are definitely certified Glover lovers. <laughs> 
There we go. Uh, yeah, this is probably our seventh event. That's, that's a ha that, by the way, that, that hashtag, Glover Lovers, is trending. You know? Oh, yes. Yeah, we, we, fo we follow <laughs> yeah, that one, too. There's a lot of us. <laughs> um, I started in real estate, actually, in 2005, mm -hmm. um, and I was with a smaller brokerage, mm -hmm. and then I moved my business over in 2011 to Keller Williams. Mm -hmm. um, I am a very relationship um, business. We yeah. have a team... Uh, we are nine strong now with um, nine agents, mm -hmm. one director of operations, um, and we are very much relationship-based. We've always had a great business with repeat, referral, sphere. Um, you know, we love on our clients yes. and we do a great job with it. So, so you've mastered the connecting part that we talked about this morning. Yeah, we have. I mean, we again, we love what we do, and I feel like having the ability to use real estate to connect with people and go out there in our community is, is a passion of mine. And we seem to attract the same sort of people on the team. Mm -hmm. We're very passionate about what we do for people. I mean, you know, the American dream is owning a home so yeah. you can start to build wealth. Speaking of the American dream, I, I noticed you have an accent. Is that Cleveland? Yes, for sure. <laughs> no. Where are you from? Born and raised in the UK. Got some other UK agents here in the, in, in, in the crowd. And when did you move here? I moved here in uh, 1985 when I was a 18-year-old doing um, a gap year to be an au pair in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. All right. I never went back. That's cool. <laughs> My How'd dad wasn't happy. <laughs> I would imagine. How did you pick real estate? Real estate kind of landed in my lap because I have four children and when I came to Ohio in 2001, I realized that being good at sales, I thought I should probably sell something with a higher ticket item. Mm -hmm. I was selling little packets of food and I was selling books, yeah. like home-based business, multi-level mm -hmm. marketing. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, real estate's a high price. I think I can do this. Yeah. So I really went in, you know, 2005, the market was just about to start falling. Yep. So I think my first listing was 1.2 million and Adam Kaufman sold it. So that was my, you know, like we're christening you in real estate with yep. one of the top agents in Ohio. And um, I became a great buyer's agent during the downturn. Yep. I loved on buyers because yeah. they were happy people. Yep. They knew what they wanted <laughs> and I was a very good buyer's agent. Well, not only that, but being a great buyer's agent builds your confidence to prepare you to be a great listing agent one day. Correct. Right? So I know we have a lot of buyer's agents in the room and I know every business and team has different philosophies. You know, some teams say, no, 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 we only have, you know, listing agents work with sellers, buyer's agents work with buyers. And then of course we have teams and brokerages where everybody does both. But really it's, it's not a bad thing if you're a buyer's agent, you're only allowed to work with buyers because you have to think about, aside from enjoying your life and making good commissions hopefully, you're preparing yourself to be a listing agent at some point in time, right? Because it, you gain the market knowledge and the confidence and the experience and the communication, right? So it's a nice way to kind of ease into it. So you started as, as a buyer's agent, had some success Yeah, there. and the confidence factor, it's true. When you learn the business as a buyer's agent because you can, um, there's so much more that you learn. You know, during that time, it was investors who were looking for deals. Our market was tanking in Cleveland, so I became really good at speaking investor language. You know, I could understand cap rates and ROIs and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. everything cash flow. So I was watching them. How, how did you learn that? Because if I'm in the audience and I just heard you say that, I'm thinking, From I would like to do that. What do I have to do in order to understand that language? Well, work with investors, but you can also listen to all sorts of podcasts. And mm -hmm. I teach wealth building, investing um, all over the place, you know, outside of my market center. Yeah. I love to do it in Ohio, but I do it all over mm -hmm. the country because at the end of the day, if you understand the investing mindset, 
you yourself will build wealth, mm -hmm. and that's what you should be doing. That's yeah. what the goal of all of this is, to build wealth through real estate. Yep. And you will speak their language, and they will want to work with you. Yep. And also, investors, they may be buying houses to buy and hold, yeah. but a lot of them are buying flips too, so you get kind of double yep. dip, don't you? Yep. You know, in every, every town across North America has investor groups and investor meetups, right? Would you recommend getting involved in some of those Facebook groups and going to those meetups? 100%, yeah. yeah. Even if you're not active in the conversation, you're just sitting back listening, learning. right? You're learning and you're meeting people. You know, the whole relationship part of this business is you meet people. Why are we here? We're here to learn, but we're here to meet each other. We're here to get more relationships and get into more relationships for agent referrals. When you're around the investor crowd, you get to meet all sorts of people, you know, stagers and mm -hmm. hard money lenders and contractors. And then you become the person that um, investors will talk to because they know you know everybody. Mm -hmm. So when they're coming to Cleveland, people are saying, well, you got to talk to Amanda. Yep. She understands that investor mindset yep. because she is one herself. Yep. Makes sense. So I know when we spoke on our prep call, and you've been really good at this, this source of business for a long time, and as everyone heard, and you've known this about me, I was never, we were talking backstage, yeah, I remember, Jeff, you were, you were just like Mike, the cold calling guy, you know, we were joking, you know, whatever. Um, your listing business has been mostly sphere of influence, mm. and um, how, how have you gotten more listings from your sphere than any other source? What are you doing to get listings from that source? And before you answer, I want you to think about, if I'm in the audience today, and we have, of course, agents that have been in the business for 50 years, we've got agents that have been in the business for 50 minutes, and everywhere in between. I might be thinking, well, I don't have a big database. I don't have a big sphere of influence list. So where do you start, and how did you master that as your number one source of listings? Yeah, so I remember my journey was finding the motivated and that meant finding the people that maybe were looking to rent and buy their first home or investors, and then taking those people and putting them into my database, which back then I didn't have one, and making sure that I provided so much value to them and such a great experience that they would want to refer other people. Mm -hmm. When I grew the team, my concept with the team is I want to bring every team member, whether they have experience in real estate or not, to a point of where at least 40% of their business is coming from their own sphere. So it's encouraging them to do the things that we're doing as a team to show our clients that we love them. Client events, yes, we do them, yeah. we love them. You don't have to have a big database to do an ice cream social. Yep. We just did one last Friday. You could just you know, invite, let's say you've only got 25 people in your database, yeah. invite them to come and do a pop by for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And guess what? There's all people outside. There's yep. people buying ice cream anyway. Yeah. Take photos. It makes it look, look like you had a really well-attended event, yep. but really it was just, you know, you're at the ice cream shop. And it'll We've grow. done that with... Uh, <laughs> We've, I mean, we've Fake, faked our way clients. through. We're good at staging things. Yeah, we, we have faked our way through, you know, breweries where the brewery was, you know, we, we, we had the bar and we knew that we would pay for them to have a brew or two, but, you know, there are other people there. Yeah, yeah. So kind of that open house concept of come when you want and we're here. We just find the face-to-faces where we get so many referrals and they do bring friends and yeah. we will walk away with 
probably four, five, six more listings just from one event. Yeah. And what I love about what you just said is, is it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be big. You know, you can, people will show up for a reason, right? If you give someone a reason to show up, even if it includes only one drink ticket, right? right? A, a $6, yeah. you know, craft beer drink ticket. The fact that there's an event, there's something going on, there's a free beer included and there's going to be other people there. Yeah, let's go check this out, right? And people will start taking a chance. And then you go back and share on, on your Facebook group yeah. or with your social media, everyone that came or 90% you know, of them are customers, 10% are yours, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, that catches on from there, right? Yeah, and you're collecting more names for the database and you're doing a better job because you're putting them also in your marketing database. And, you know, I've got a fabulous marketing, ma marketing manager and she just uses that. And then we put them on our newsletters and then we're inviting them to our events. One of the things that we were so appreciative about what we did when COVID hit was we were like, okay, real estate's kind of not important right now, but serving our heroes is. So we took it upon ourselves to kind of spearhead Ellie McIntyre gave me this, this idea, so all credit to Ellie, mm -hmm. to spearhead going back and, and giving to our heroes. And that wasn't just you know going down to the hospitals delivering food, which I think you did it with yeah, pizzas. Yeah. I remember hearing you. We Jimmy were like, Johns. no, how about the families? Yeah. Because then we can get their address, and then we can deliver the food from the local restaurants who were struggling so we can support them. Yeah. And then we also used the um, young college, the, the kids that were graduating college who weren't graduating because of COVID and they needed to still have some hours for doing outreach and community service. So that in itself was a program that lasted about three months. And I can't tell you how many new leads we got from our oh, Heroes sure. program. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that. There's so much good stuff. I, I was going to ask you the question, give us some examples of how you add value. You just gave us some great ones. Yeah. One of the things we talked about on your prep call as well is your pre-listing process and your actual listing presentation. Can you tell us a little bit about that or what causes yours to stand out? Yeah, so I am still doing listings and I love doing listings. Um, all on my team can do listings. As long as they're listing certified, they also can do listings. So there's a lot of us that do listings. Um, we're all about making it a really great first impression. So we're using our CRM and making sure that as soon as we get the appointment, we are putting them in so that they are getting home valuations around their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So they're already seeing our face and knowing who we are. Yep. Um, we're dropping off a pre-list packet. We love that. Yep. We do our little statistics and talk a little bit about ourselves, but more about how we can help them. Yep. And then as we're ready for the listing appointment, you know, they, they already come prepared knowing who they're going to meet and a little bit about our background. As far as nailing the listing appointment, I think it's just a confidence thing. We know we are the best solution for them. And so we go in um, you know, pretty confident. I would say we're a 99% every listing that we get. Yeah. A lot of them, though, are warm listing leads. You know, we are very spoiled in that 80% of our business comes from Sphere. Well, they're Asian. warm because you've added value to them. Yes. So they may be interviewing, but you're definitely being considered for an interview. Yes. We, we very rarely are in competition. It's usually a come list me, actually. Yep. And we get a lot of agent referrals, too. That's another kind of warm introduction from yep. agents all across yeah, America. you do a really good job with agent referrals. We do because we've made it a point of kind of providing a great experience for the agents too. You know, there was a reason that I went to all the events outside of Cleveland. It was to meet all the agents so yep. that 
we could find agents that would then refer to us. Bingo. And we make the agents feel really good because we do communicate all the time on what's going on. Well, and, and regardless, and I've been telling agents for years, and, and I, of course I'm a little biased when I say this, but don't just go to your own company's events. No. Don't just go to your own <laughs> franchise's events. You have to step out and get exposure to different concepts, different ideas, right? Yes. And when you go to those events and you go back for the second time, you now are seeing the same people over and over. I would imagine, I mean, you've been coming since we first started this thing. You probably have, you know, 30, 40, 50 agents in the room that you now have relationships with because you see them every six months at one of these events, right? Yes, yes. And that leads to listing agent-to-agent -agent referrals. Yes, and I'm giving them referrals too, you know. I met someone out in the crowd from Cincinnati and I said, oh, I know you. Yeah. I've met you from a referral and are you in my phone so that I can refer to you when yep. referrals Bingo. come up in Cleveland. So when you're on the breaks and at lunch, you're purposeful in the connections that you're making. Yes, it's relationships. They do matter in every, yep. in every yep. way. Love it. Awesome. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Tommy. I've been watching you for several years and uh, watching your business in Chicago. I know you've got a great business there. I think you're, what, number six in the city? Six in the city, Which, yeah. you know, for, for perspective, I mean, being from Detroit, that's like, that would make you, like, number zero in Detroit, <laughs> right? You'd be, like, one times ten because, obviously, Chicago's so big. So how did you get to that level? Tell us a little bit about your background, how long you've been in the business, and and. We'll talk a little bit about where your business comes from and, yeah. and kind of your niche. So give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, but ha thanks for having me. Of course. Happy to be here. My, my drip is kind of tight, oh. which I think <laughs> I had a little too many frozen pizzas in quarantine last year. Um, but uh, from Chicago. We'll get you some new drip, splat, splat splash, gear, yeah, all that, yeah. right? Um, so been in the business for 15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, got in at a really perfect time, 2006, uh, right before the housing market crashed. Um, have a business partner, Josh Weinberg, him and I, we've been a team uh, for the last 15 years. You know, uh, last year we sold about 80 million in real estate, 150 units, and I'm a lifelong Chicagoan, yep. you know, born and raised. My parents immigrated here from South Korea, so I'm a product of immigrants and uh, first generation. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Shout out to immigrants. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So when we talked on the phone, you said most of your business, like Amanda's, is referral-based. Yeah. And so again, kind of the same question, because every time you come to a conference and, oh, everyone says they get their business from their database. All right, how do you yeah. get referrals from your database? Give us well, some tactics. Great question. So our numbers for the last 15 years, we fluctuate between 89 to 91% referral base. I've never paid for an online lead or anything like that, not because it doesn't work, but sure. this is just our, our bread and butter, right? Yep. And so I got to go back to about 10 years ago, and this is what just completely, you know, it was like I put steroids in my body when it came to really building uh, and, and, and pouring into our database. There's this white paper that I read by a Stanford professor. His name's Mark Granovetter, okay? Uh, and it was called The Strength of Weak Ties. The Strength of weak, weak Ties, okay? Mm -hmm. And what this, this white paper is about, he wanted to answer this question. If I want to find a new job today, how am I going to find that? Who's mm -hmm. going to put me in front of my future employer? And his hypothesis was his inner circle, the closest people, his family, his friends, right? Mm -hmm. And in his research, what he found out was it was complete strangers that were the ones doing that. And you think about that. You think about our inner circle. And I don't know about you all, but for me, they're the worst referral source for me, right? And it's, and it's not because they don't love me and support me, 
but we all know each other, right? If you've ever been out and someone with your best friend and someone goes, hey, are you two related, right? You dress alike, you like the same restaurants, the same music, the same movies. We're too intertwined. So this idea of the strength of weak ties was finding the conduit that would lead you into this new group, that weak tie that would put you in front of new people. And so for me, that inspired me to meet one new person a day, 365 new people. I've been doing that for the last 10 years, right? What was that? Can you repeat that, please? I meet one new person a day, 365 new people a year, right? And that's what I'm feeding into our database. Yep. And so to the point where when I ask for introductions, of course I ask for the referral. For me though, my currency is putting me in front of someone new. Yeah. I Facebook stalk them, right? I'll type in Jeff Glover, enter, and if I see I have zero or one person mm -hmm. in common, mm -hmm. I'm salivating to get in front of this person. Yes. Because I know this could be my strong, weak tie that'll get me into this new circle, right? Got it. And so when I do that though, it's the art of relationship building, mm -hmm. which that's my niche and that's my focus. That's how we have such yeah. high referral rates. We, we talked this morning yeah. uh, about just add one person to your database per day, right? Yeah. So you took it a step further. You're adding one person per day and you're, you're making a connection right. once a day, even, even beyond, totally. right? And, and it's simple, it's a hack, right? It's a hack because, right, I'm kind of a chubby guy, so I have to eat. I have to eat lunch. And I'm the worst person to be around if I'm not, if I'm hangry. And so. I'm with you. Right? So that's my, that's time block. 12 to 1.30. I'm not having 90 minute lunches, but my, my assistants know to put in travel time, right? Sure. So I have to eat lunch to live every day. Yep. That's an activity I'm not going to do by myself. So I break bread with someone five days a week, Monday through Friday for lunch. You don't eat lunch alone ever. Ever. One of my favorite books, right? Mm -hmm. And. Three o'clock, I kind of hit a wall, because once again, I don't like work out, so I don't have natural endorphins uh, that are fueling me. My, I have artificial endorphins called caffeine. I have a feeling that, uh, I have a feeling Kate Simon is gonna approach you after this. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So three o'clock, I need coffee. And once again, that's an activity I'm not gonna sit by myself and watch TikTok videos and sip coffee for 15, 20 minutes. I invite someone to have coffee with me. Right? So that's two a day that I'm doing. Our team's data, or our team standards is 10 face-to-faces a week. 10 face-to-faces right? a week. That's how we're feeding our Per agent. Per agent. Yep. Right? That's, that's. And that's how you're adding business. them. And exactly. that's how you're growing it. So once you grow it, because what I love about what you just shared is techniques to kind of grow the database. Right. Once you have them in there, now how do you add value to them? Love that. Love that. So when I meet someone new, let's say, Rob, I'm meeting you for the first time and we're, we're about to have coffee together. I look at Rob and Rob looks like an ATM machine to me, okay? <laughs> and, and, and what I mean, and by the way, for any millennial in here, an ATM is like a physical brick and mortar Venmo <laughs> or cash app, right? So what, and what I mean by that is- spits money out. Yeah, money. right, exactly. When I, go, when I go to an ATM, or any of us, we have really two action items, correct? We can either make a withdrawal, take money out of your account, or you make a deposit and put money into your account. That's relationship 101. That's a foundation of me building a relationship. If I have coffee with Rob, and I've identified this guy is not a jerk, I want to build a relationship with them. So I have a choice. I can ask for something, take and make a withdrawal of this relationship. Maybe it's a referral, your business, whatever. Or 
I can lead with the deposit, mm-hmm. right, and bring value to his life. Mm-hmm. Our ratio typically is three deposits to one withdrawal. Why is that? Because when I make a withdrawal, I'm not taking 20 bucks out of our relationship. I'm maxing out our daily limit. And the beauty in this is that Rob's given me permission because I've put money into mm-hmm. our relationship, right? So three deposits, one withdrawal, and that's kind of the formula. Totally. And so can you give us some examples of how you're yes. making deposits? So deposits, it, it doesn't mean now all of a sudden your P&L statements are going to blow up because you're gifting people all this fancy, bougie drip or splash mm-hmm. or whatever, right? It, it's, it's just listening, okay? When, I'm, when I you know, sit down with Rob, I'm, one, I follow the Ford model. Do we all know that? F-O-R-D, family, occupation, recreation, dream. That's my, that's my- Can you just say it one more time? Family, occupation, recreation, dream. That's my framework for every conversation, right? It's like, Rob, tell me, do you know, I know he has a six month old baby, right? But maybe I don't know that. Tell me, do you have any kids? Yeah, I just had a baby. Oh, that's awesome. Boy, girl, right? What do you do? How long have you been doing that? Are you happy at, at, at your job? You know, do you like what you do? Right? What do you like to do on the weekends? Do you, where do you go for vacation? Where's your favorite place to travel? Right? What's your ideal vacation? What's your dream job? Right? You just follow that. And all you're doing is taking notes and listening. And I'll give you an example that actually came to fruition uh, this past year uh, while we were you know, in quarantine or pandemic or whatever. Um, uh, one of our uh, database cli- past clients, mm-hmm. actually he's not even a past client, that's what makes this even beautiful, Mark. I met with him six years ago. Mm-hmm. Same thing, we had coffee. He was, an intro- he was an introduction from a past client of ours and he was a coworker of his. And um, he had just bought a home, mm-hmm. okay? And so I still wanna get to know him. And you know, going through my conversation, taking notes, he actually told me that one of his, he likes to travel and to go on trips, and his dream trip was to rent an RV and go to every national park west of the Mississippi with his family, mm-hmm. right? So what was the deposit that I made? Well, for every part of our standards I mentioned, 10 face-to-faces, you have to send 10 handwritten notes. So if you meet with 10 people face-to-face, you have 10 reasons to send a handwritten note. So in my handwritten note back, post-coffee, I went on Amazon, mm-hmm. and for, I think, $1.25, I bought a Matchbox RV car, toy car. Yeah. And I, and I let him know. I expressed my gratitude for the time we had, and yep. this was a token of my appreciation. Yeah. Keep your eye on the prize. Fast forward, this year, or last summer in pandemic, he rented an RV, yep. went to Mount Rushmore, Yellowstone, Sequoia National Park, Badlands, and he took that Matchbox car with him and he took a selfie with it at every national park sign. Oh, right? That's cool. Love that. yeah. Let me That's tell cool. you, Mark has referred 12 people to our team in the last seven years, and I've yet to help him with his personal real estate, right? Yep. That's what the power of making deposits is, mm-hmm. right? I've mm-hmm. built this relationship, and now we call it staying out of the friend zone. Yep. We're not just the realtor. We're someone that provides so much value to them that they always want to be keeping us in their highest pedestal, yeah. right? To not miss those opportunities. Yep, love that. And in, in fact, as you're talking, I'm thinking, gosh, you have mastered the exchange database method. We've been yeah. sharing the exchange database for three years now and yeah. get, convincing agents to keep adding and keep adding and getting the relationship and then treat them like your past clients and treat them like totally. your sphere. And you've done that at, at probably the highest level. right? And so when you look at where your business is coming from today, would you 
is it safe to say then your repeat and your referral and your transactions is mostly from the deposits and getting into new relationships? 100%. We know, like clockwork, we convert about 22 to 23% of our database mm -hmm. into clients. Mm -hmm. So when we goal set, it's not about properties and homes, it's about, okay, we just need to add 321 new people this year, meet yep. them and put them in our database. Yep. And we know the numbers will work itself out. The yep. statistics will figure itself out, yep. right? So that, that's, you're absolutely right. You know, yep. we're, we're focusing and pouring into them through our 36 touch, through everything by providing value, but it all starts with listening. Uh, I was gonna, that was gonna be my last question to you. I know um, you do a method of staying in touch with your database. You yeah. know, some people have a 21 touch, 56 touch, use a 36 touch. Yeah. Um, what is that, you don't need to give us all 36s, yep. but what is that a combination of, or what are the majority of the touches? It's, it, you know, it, it's a lot of it, I'll say the most impactful ones are our events. And I'll give you one easy example of an event that it doesn't matter how much money you have budgeted for events or not, because it costs you literally nothing. Uh, but one thing I want to point out is that when it comes to events, and, and, and every year it, this gives my admin team uh, a heart attack, but we invite every single person. Because we know not everyone's gonna say yes. That's right. But the power of the event is inclusion. Being invited to something is the best feeling in the world. Bingo. Right? And then the second important piece of it is follow-up. Even the people that said no, if you don't follow up after you have an event, you just wasted all your time and money in that. Because yep. that's the happy calls that they're happy to answer because they want to shower you with love and gratitude yep. for ice cream or pizzas or whatever, right? Yeah. So one of our high-level events that we do that's such a great touch is we call it Operation Love, okay? So the last week, December 31st, leading into New Year's Eve, all our admin team does is they make reservations at the top 10, our favorite restaurants in Chicago from 7, or 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. in 15-minute increments. Mm -hmm. What date are we setting that for? Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And all we're doing then, January 2nd, when we're back in the office, is we're making our uh, gratitude calls, right? Expressing our gratitude, but we're letting them know, hey, we got you. Next month, Valentine's Day, I know you're smooth, but if you need me, I got the assist. RPM steak. <laughs> Maple and ash, RPM. whatever, right? Yeah. We just set reservations for them. Costs us nothing. Yep. When they go, and I keep the reservations in our name, yep. so I want them to physically say Tommy Choi so they remember, wow, if it wasn't for Tommy, I would not yep. be taking mm -hmm. my wife or significant mm -hmm. other out. Mm -hmm. And it's the greatest deposit that literally cost me nothing. And anyone that's afraid of human interaction, you don't even have to talk to anyone. You just use open table, yeah, right? That's right, yeah. Those are the things that we do mm -hmm. to make these deposits, yep. right? That don't cost us anything, but continue to build our value so we can make those big withdrawals. Love that, good stuff. All right, Rob, I've been watching your business and I know that you have been very, like Mike and I, prospecting-based, skills-based, and I know you've shifted it a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about you, your background, where you're from, and uh, where your business comes from. Let's just dive right in. Sure, perfect. Um, so yeah, my name is Rob Folia. Kudos on pronouncing my last name right, by the way, because <laughs> almost everybody gets it wrong, so I appreciate that. You bet. Um, I've been in business for about seven years. I'm a, uh, a bona fide solo agent, and so shout out to all the other solo agents here in the room. You know, I've got a full-time admin as well who's been with me for about three years now, I guess going on three and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, prior to real estate, I was a retail management. I, was, I managed some Walgreens drugstores, was not for me, and so I had really zero sales background, zero, I mean, I had customer service background, of course, zero sales background, zero yep. industry background when I, when I kind of discovered real estate and the potential that it had to, to 
be your own business. Yep. And uh, where are you located? Where's your market? Oh, Nashville. So the greater Nashville area, Middle Tennessee. Good. All right. Greater Nashville, Middle Tennessee. So you've been licensed now for eight years. Mm-hmm. And like many agents, when we get into the business, we're looking for answers of where do I start, mm-hmm. right? So where did you start? Well, a combination. I know everybody said, call your database, call your database. I'm 36, so when I got licensed, I was, what, like 28, 29, somewhere in there. A lot of my friends, they weren't homeowners. They were, they were starting to buy homes. They were, uh, some of them were anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I had some connections there. However, I also had some people telling me, find listings, you know, list to last, uh, yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah. And since I, the listings weren't necessarily flowing from the database, I picked up the phone. I started calling expireds for sale by owners. My very first sign in the yard was an expired that I literally had the script booked in front of me, had no clue what I was doing, uh-huh. read the script book, and yep. got the appointment, got the signature. So. Yeah, yep. I love that. And so um, you've spent time working both expireds and for sale by owners. Mm-hmm. And again, as you mentioned, and what I love about you mentioned, because I think that's a lot of us in the room, don't have a big database, don't have a lot of people. I'm just, I'm new, I just moved to the area. So um, how did you, number one, once you had that one success, mm-hmm. how did you say, you know what, I'm just going to stick with this. And then how did you get better at it? Well, I stuck with it because I, I love the way you phrased it yesterday, the employer versus the employee relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I quit my old job because I didn't want to work for anybody else anymore. Mm-hmm. I just, I had some bad bosses. That was the last thing I ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so why would I want to be an employee out there? Yep. And so uh, that was the mindset around it. So it didn't matter to me if I got rejected, if I called people, they hung up, who cares? I mean, still, who cares if they, if they hang up yep. on me? Big deal, just move on to the next, be the employer. Um, how did I get better at it was honestly repetition and practice. I mean, I still have script practice partners. I, I still go to, to conferences like this, not only for the networking, it's great to, to network with people and build yep. those connections. However, it's to get better at my craft. So you go to conferences and events like this to find role play partners and find other people who are great at their skills. Mm-hmm. And so do you arrange for times to role play? What, is that, what does that role playing and practice look like for you? So I'm pretty rigid when it comes to my schedule. If someone wants to role play with me, I actually have one or two openings throughout my week, 7.30 central time, that's when I do it. If, yep. if it's eight central, seven central, hey, cool, good for you, it just doesn't work for my day. Yep. Um, and yeah, I just stick with it every day, 15 minutes, 30 minutes in the morning. Yep, so 7.30 central time, which by the way, you'll have somebody approach you, so yep. we're gonna fill one or two spots for you. Yeah, please do. And and, um, and and I know Michael and I have, have had role play partners for years, so we know what it's like when people say, oh yeah, 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 I'd love to role play with you, and then the first call, they don't show up, yep. they're late, whatever. Uh, how do you deal with that? Next, that I mean, next really, that's yeah. what it comes down to. I mean, yeah. if somebody's committed, they're gonna show up. Uh-huh. If they're not, hey, that's cool, no, yeah. no judgment, yeah. it's just not the right fit. So uh, I know there's a lot of people in the room that have been hearing role playing for years, and they're kinda like, come on, Jeff, it's 2021, like, technology, social media, do we really have to still talk about role-playing? Why do you still role-play? Because I'll hear something different from that, uh, from that new script partner, because it rotates. You know, I, I don't keep the same partner for, for long, usually no more than about six months. Why is that? So I can hear those new objections. As things are changing, we, we get naturally comfortable. get comfortable, yeah, with, mm-hmm. that, with that same person. So if uh, I had a script partner out of Florida, Alex Jusko. Alex was, was phenomenal at showing up on time. It's one of the reasons why we were partners for about a year, year and a half. It's probably the longest partner I had. Mm-hmm. And yet by the end, I knew how to handle his objections very easily because I, just, I got to know his personality. That's not the case with an expired or a for sale by owner. With, with those, you don't know who you're talking to. You've got to on the fly identify, is this a dominant personality? Are they cautious? Are, you know, are they that high eye that just wants to talk your ear off. You got to figure all that out. Yep. So in your mind then, would you recommend no matter what way you get business, whether it's social media, marketing, referral based, would you still recommend role playing to anybody? Yeah, absolutely. And why is that? Because that's how you're going to get better. If it's social media and you're, you're generating leads through Facebook, um, you've got to know how to call those people. It can't just be a, um, you've, you've got you've to be purposeful about it. You can't just go at it and, and just 
do whatever comes naturally. You've yeah. got to be purposeful. We talked yesterday, and obviously we've been talking for years about people make a decision to hire you based on how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. Not about how good you are, and in many cases, not even how strong your marketing plan is. They hire you based on how you make them feel. So just think about the logic for that for a second. How do you make someone feel a certain way? By what you say, by the questions you ask. Mm-hmm. And so when you're role playing, you have to kind of look at it as I'm improving the way I make others feel. Because if I make more people feel better about what's taking place in a listing presentation or a buyer consultation, I'm going to have more contracts signed, mm-hmm. right? And so would you agree with that, by the way? Yeah, absolutely. And especially the part about the questions that you ask. Because, I mean, when you're script, script practicing, you're role playing, that's really what you're doing. You're learning how to ask the right questions in the right scenario. Yep, yep. Awesome. So um, fast forward to today a little bit. I know that you have transitioned your business from not just expires and for sale by owners, although it's still a big portion of your business, to now you're getting good business from your database. So like many of us in the audience and like we've talked about on stage, it seems like that's a natural progression, right? You either get really good at the people you don't know and then you start to, all right, I got that figured out, now let's start working on database. But we have a lot of people in the room that really do well with their database and they love hearing from a guy who brand new just calling expires, right? So for you, you had to transition from the cold call or warm call, if you, want, if you will, mm-hmm. to database. How did you do that and why did you do that? Well, we did it because of hearing at all these different conferences going in and be learning based. We, yep. we heard that that's, that's going to be the, the most come list means. I mean, what did Amanda share before? I think 90% of her, her listings is, uh, their come list means, it's the things that she's getting. They're naturally yep. coming. They're, uh, like, like, we're looking for that. And yet at the same time, I mean, when NAR is saying that the, the average person's moving every 10 years, the come list means aren't necessarily flowing through yet. And so that's why we are still cold calling. Um, it, it transitioned for us, I guess, uh, I keep saying us again, it's myself and my admin, really when, when I hired her because I had no touch campaign. I just went at it. If I sent a random email, I'd send a random email. Yeah. If I had some postcard thing that I signed up for, I would do yeah. it. I was very, mm-hmm. um, again, very, again, very entrepreneurial. wasn't purposeful about it at all. And um, in hiring Jessica, it allowed us to be purposeful in yeah. terms of communicating with the database, making sure we had a plan, yep. and, and yet still putting in those, the, the time with for sale by owners with expireds. Because while, yes, about half of my business comes from the database, those are really just the buyers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the listings, I mean, it's, it's about 75 to 80% of our listings still come from the, the cold calling, the yep. for sale by owners, the expireds. Yep. Well, one of the things you said in there, which obviously is step one for a lot of us, um, where you keep your database, how you started it, right? You know, for years, mm-hmm. I didn't even keep a database. I mean, my first database, this is sad to say, was six years ago. And I was so disappointed because I did the math on how many transactions I did, you know, the 10, 12 years prior. And it was probably 700, 800 transactions, you know, plus or minus. Mm-hmm. And I had a database of less than 200 people. So I remember saying to our staff when they were kind of gathering all the files and putting it together, they're like, 183 is all we got. I'm like, where are the other 1,000 files? What do you mean 183? We didn't even have a database. So when you made the decision to become more database, you obviously, your, your admin assistant helped you with that. What were some of the steps you had to do to get that off the ground? Yeah, great question. Um, it was really finding the data, it, what, what it came down to. I mean, we, we getting had, their information, getting the information exactly. Yep. So, like, we we had a database. I had an old database that I was barely working, and it wasn't updated. You know, things along those lines. Yeah. So we exported from that into the program we were using. Uh, we exported everything from my phone, and we went yeah. through there and said, "Is this a?" I, we had printouts, and I would highlight the people that said, "These are. This is who needs to go into our CRM." Sure. Um, you know, we, we looked for that data. We, yeah. we looked for it in, uh, in Facebook. You know, yep. it used to be able to, I don't know if you still can, you could export every contact from Facebook that you have. And, yep. and so we did that as well. Awesome. Love that. Last question I have for you, and then we've got some announcements before lunch. So don't leave yet. I got important announcements. Um, 
you, one thing I value about your business is you're running a pretty profitable business, making a good income, mm -hmm. and you also have a lot of balance, and you're, we, would, we would like to say you're living your unreal life. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that? Finish with that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, I appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's, it's my goal not to be one of those agents who's the employee, like, like Jeff said yesterday, and so it's my goal to be that employer and to really control my time. Um, I mean, when, when it comes down to it, it's, it's just like I mentioned before about my script practice and being very disciplined about this is when I'm doing it, and if it fits into my schedule, great. Same for my appointments. I mean, as, I mean, I, I literally will, will block my appointments on my calendar. That's when I'm filling it in, even before those appointments are, are actually on there. It's the appointments loss. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep to that. I'm going to keep to my days off. I'm gonna, I've, I've got two cell phones. I, my work phone, I, I don't touch it on my days off. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, evenings, good luck reaching me <laughs> unless yeah. you have my personal line. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have that balance, in my opinion. Really, for me anyway, I, I've got to have that disconnect, I guess you could say. Awesome. Love it. Let's hear it for our panelists. All right. Nice job, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking your time to join Jeff today on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast. To get started on having an unreal business, take the real estate self-assessment. After you complete the assessment, a member of Glover U will get on a call with you to create an action plan to improve your score. Go to www.gloveru.com self. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Search for Live Unreal with Glover U on iTunes, Podbean, or Spotify and subscribe today. Until next time.